Great God, take my words and breathe your Holy Spirit through them, that it may be Jesus Christ who speaks to the hearts of us all. Amen. My usual practice is to, to ask the student, who, former student who's going to be ordained, uh, who asked me to take part in the service, if they'd like to choose the text. Uh, and Mackie's chosen this one, and we'll be having words about this later. Because, of course, the, 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 uh, the task of the college, we're told by the Baptist Union we have to do it, is to make sure that uh, the students acquire a certain degree of competency that you can measure. Uh, we're told to sort them out with certificates and qualifications. So what does Mackie do? He chooses a text where the apostle says this. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are competent for ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of spirit. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. Hallelujah. So bless you for picking that particular text, Mackie. Really appreciate it. I also know that there's something about Second Corinthians going on. Last time I was here for an ordination, it was Helen Painter, and she'd chosen Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4. So I'm working my way backwards, just in case I'm ever here again. Now, Paul had a bit of a stormy relationship with the church in Corinth. He'd, he'd planted that church. He'd, he'd nurtured it. And when he was away, he wrote a number of letters to it, and two of those have survived. And in this one, he's having to defend himself against a whole host of accusations because his problem is that there are people in Corinth who are a bit like some of those who are around in denominational structures today, mention no names at all, who say, where's the proof, Paul, that you're an apostle? Where's the evidence that you're a minister? Where are the letters of recommendation?" Where are your certificates? Where are your qualifications? What degrees have you got? How do we know that you're a minister? Where are the references? Tell us about your credentials. And of course, Paul is really shocked by this. But you can see the mentality that's at work. He doesn't need these letters or documents. He says to the Corinthians, you're my certificate, you're the evidence, you are a letter from Jesus to the world that says, this is the work of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. It's not something written on stone, the evidence is here, written on people's hearts. And this sets Paul thinking. You see, it's not actually him that's done anything. He's just a servant of Jesus. Jesus has written this letter, this people. It's happened on his authority. See, this is, this is not an old kind of religion. This is something new in the world. The old was all built on human involvement. 
But Paul says, no, it's not of the letter. It's not of human qualification. It's of the Spirit. It's not of human making. It's something new that God is doing. And this reminds Paul of of an old story that he knows about Moses. If you're interested, you'll find it in Exodus chapter 34. Moses has been in the presence of God to collect the law. And such is the shiningness of God's presence that when Moses comes down the mountain, having been in the presence of God, Moses' face is shining. So much so that the rest of the people couldn't bear to be in his presence. And so he had to wear a veil over his face. So when he went into the presence of God, he'd remove the veil. But when he was among people, facing toward them, he needed a veil over his face. Such was the the glory reflected in his face because of his encounter with the living God. Now, Paul thinks that everything that Moses did was completely wonderful. This was great. But it cannot hold a candle to what God has now done in Jesus Christ. What God did through Moses, yes, it brought glory, but the glory of the new thing that God is now doing in all the world is far, far greater. Yes, yes, the veil over Moses' face, it protected the people, but it also prevented them from seeing the fullness of God's glory. And for many in our world, this veil remains. Jesus offers to take that veil away from us so that we can see God. But the veil that we put there is is present for many of us. When it's taken away, we move from one degree of knowing God to another, from one glory to another. But while the veil's there, it stops that from happening. Think about the things that we put in the way of what God wants to do. Not just doing things by the letter, but our cult of celebrity, our pursuit of wealth. All these things, these idolatries of our day, mean that there's a veil over our faces. We cannot see the glory of God, but Christ will remove that for us if we turn to him. So let's think for a moment about this word glory, which Paul is enthusing about here. It's it's God's splendor. It's God's reputation. It's God's fame. It's God's being. It's God's nature. It's God's character. Let me remind you of something. There was a footballer called Danny Blanchfire. He died in 1993. He captained a side which won the, uh, the FA Cup and the League Championship in the same year at the beginning of the 1960s. Now, nobody had done that for 60 years, and people had started to think that it wasn't possible. Uh, he, said, he said this. He said, the great fallacy is that pe- people think that the game is first and last about winning, he said. It's nothing of the kind. The game, he said, is about glory. It's about doing things in style and with a flourish. 
And his point, I think, is that glory lies in the reputation you earn in doing things the right way, in doing things in a way which is consistent with your character. It's how you earn glory. It's how you earn the kind of fame that counts. And for the writers of the New Testament, God has covered himself in glory, this kind of glory. Because everybody knew that God had made promises that he was going to rescue us from this, these pits of our own making that we'd got ourselves into by turning away from God, by allowing that veil to hide God's glory from us. Uh, we built the veil with money and celebrity and gluttony and violence. And the va- these veils cloud our minds. Now, God could have chosen any method he liked to win, but that wouldn't have been God's way. God's way was to win in, in a manner that was consistent with his own character. And that's what makes God's victory so glorious, that he does it in a way which is true to his own being. God's own being is self-giving, sacrificial love. And he wins his victory by giving himself for us to take away that veil. He wins his victory in the most glorious way imaginable by surrendering himself to the violence and the cheating and the lies of the objects of his own love. In Jesus Christ, he gives himself up to us and our violence and then carries all that stuff that creates the veil in his own person in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. He bears all that stuff on the cross so that when we turn to him, we see God's glory, the veil is taken away, and God does all this in a way which manifests his own character, which is why the New Testament writers can say that the moment of the cross is the moment of the deepest glory for those who are able to see it. And then this God vindicates Jesus by raising him from the dead as evidence that divine justice will always overrule in this universe. This is the gospel of which you, Mackie, are a minister. God has got rid of all our junk and revealed his own glory in the process. See, God does these things with a flourish, with with extravagance, with, with a love that has lost all sense of perspective. And that's his character, to give himself for the sake of others. That's the essence of his being and of his glory. So, you've gone and chosen this this text for a college principal, which I said at the beginning was was a mean, a nasty thing to have done. (laughs) But in the end, the text is right. You were right. None of this is at all about the competencies I say that I can sign you off against. You're right. None of this is about any of the letters that we've been able to help you put after your name. 
None of it. Those are a means to an end, a way of testing, a way of checking that we've got it right. But what we're doing is catching up with something that God has done, as we've been told right at the beginning. God has called you. We've tested that. And we're here to say, this is what God has done. The certificates the college gives, the university gives, wonderful as they are, achievements as they are, are not the point today. Today, the point is God and his gospel and his glory and the call of God on you. So, what is the proof of that? Well, the proof of it is not stuff that we give you. The proof of it will be in your nurturing and your pastoring of the congregation here, your influence on others who are sent out from here. The proof will be in the way the kingdom of God is built through your ministry. That is what all this is about. None of it is really in the end about what we say. It's about what we're discerning that God is saying and doing through you and through this church. And remember Mackie. And remember Cairns too. That this is not just about winning. It's never with God about numbers or about worldly views of success. It's about doing things God's way. And God's way is the way of love, of self-giving, and of service. You already know this, but it's my task to remind you of it. We don't measure success the way other people do. We measure it in terms of faithfulness to the glory of God revealed in the ministry of Jesus Christ. If what we do isn't cross-shaped, it isn't his. So, Mackie, my friend, lovely as you are, remember the things that you've been saying today. This is, none of this is about you. It's not about your glory or even the glory of Cairns. It is about God's glory and God's purposes, the glory revealed in the gospel of the cross. It's about Jesus Christ. He alone makes you competent to be a minister of the new covenant of the glory of God. And he does that through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and through the sending of his spirit upon his people. My prayer is that understood this way, we may live to see the words of Habakkuk come to fulfillment, that the earth, Cairns Road and northwest Bristol and Bristol and Britain and Europe and the world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God bless you.